This is Susanna McMonagall, and you're listening to the 5 to 8 Shift Podcast. We are so glad that you decided to check us out. The 5 to 8 Shift Podcast exists to encourage, educate, and inspire parents throughout their own parenthood and family life adventure. We know parenting can be tough. I am not trying to sugarcoat it. But few worthwhile things in life come without some sweat and some hard work. And family life is worth every ounce of effort. We're building a community of parents to remind you that you're not alone and we are thrilled that you're here. Each month we highlight stories from our parent community and share the latest research and tips to help families thrive. If you like what you hear today, make sure you subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. I believe family is one of life's greatest adventures, and I am so excited to chat with you today. I look forward to cheering you on in your own five to eight shift. It's the most important shift of the day. Hey y'all, it's Susanna. Welcome to another episode of the 5 to 8 Shift. I am so glad that you are here today. I'm excited that you decided to spend a couple minutes of your week with me, um, hopefully feeling energized, feeling inspired, uh, possibly feeling educated about being a parent. And so, um, you know, I've said all along in the journey of this podcast here that, you know, one of the main reasons I started this is so that parents feel less alone. And so you feel like you're not the only one going through X, Y, or Z. And so I hope you've enjoyed some of the episodes this far. I have been loving some of my most recent episodes um, in 2021. And I have a couple really interesting ones lined up for you guys this spring. And today I am doing a solo episode. I have been thinking about something that I wanted to sort of share with you guys and hopefully give you some encouragement as you go through your days. You know, we know motherhood and parenthood is hard work. And so I just wanted to um, today talk a little bit about stress and talk about de-stressing and talk about why it's important to understand the things in our life that make us stressful and to think more intentionally about how we can reduce some of that stress in order to live a life of more intention, in order to show up well for our children and our spouse and our community. So that is what we're going to be talking about today. And I have titled today's episode, Six Ways to De-Stress for Tired Moms. And so we have all experienced... I would argue, very hard seasons that come off as incredibly stressful. And this can happen for a number of reasons, different households, different people. It can be job-related, family-related, relationship-related, related related to your kids, related to kids' activities, related to a big project you have at work, or maybe something you're taking on in your community. And so... Even though we all don't have the same kind of stressors, I think we can all agree that we are living in a world full of stress. And so my goal and my hope today is that you feel a little bit more encouraged, that you feel like one or more of these things um, can help you think more intentionally about being less stressful and um, you find some value in it. So let's just start here. So the first one I have today is unpiling your plate. And I know A lot of people talk about this all the time. You know, we, especially as women and parents, we put a lot on our plate. We take, we, we, we have a lot of responsibility that we take very seriously. And so I think the past 12 months being in quarantine and dealing with COVID and all of this, um, there's more time at home. And, you know, I saw a lot of memes probably around fall before we were really, really, really tired of being home and um, not being able to do a lot of the things that we love. But I saw a lot of things circulating on social media that says, 
Now that you've had a chance to slow down, now that you've been forced to slow down, what are the things you're going to put back in your bucket? And so I think about this a lot because before um, this all happened last March, you know, we had all kinds of things, activities, jobs, extracurriculars. And so when the world got halted and we were home, we kind of had some time to reflect and reevaluate what are the things we should be putting into our lives and what belongs there and what are some things that maybe we don't enjoy doing anymore and um, we can get rid of. And so those of you who have smaller children, you probably know that this first week in March is Read Across America week and it's um, tightly tied to Dr. Seuss and some of his work. And so if you have the cat in the hat or you've seen the cat in the hat, there's this image of the cat and he has his arms out and he's holding plates and he's trying to clean up and there's all these plates, like literally a hundred plates. And that is like what I'm envisioning uh, motherhood uh, in 2021. And this idea that success or productivity or efficiency is defined by how many plates we are able to hold at the same time. But I would argue what is a more valuable way to look at this is do these plates matter? Should we really have all these plates in the air? And so here's a great example. I hung out um, last weekend with one of my favorite moms and um She mentioned that she was in the throes of one of the hardest seasons that she has been in in a while. And so when she said that, I remembered about two years ago, she was in a similarly hard season. And I said to her, is it is what you're experiencing right now more stressful than what you were experiencing two years ago? And she looked at me and she said she admitted that some of her stressors were self-imposed. And so she said, you know, for example, and we were talking about this and she said, you know, I feel pressure to like make a home-cooked meal um, most nights of the week. And that's something, you know, she's the cook for the family. And um, the irony is that literally when she was telling me this story, she was actually in the throes of a complicated home-cooked meal. For Chris and I, we had gone over for dinner and, um, you know, the, the truth of the matter is that Chris and I would have been completely fine with frozen pizza. I mean, literally buy the $5 DiGiorno pizza, pop it in the oven. You know, you invited us to your home, you clean for us, and we have no expectations of this of this big meal. And so when I think about unpiling our plates, I think about where are the ways we can lean into some of the ways to lighten our load, right? And so maybe this means leveling with your spouse, right? Um, asking your spouse for help. And um, in the future, I'm going to be doing some more episodes on the mental mother load and all of the things that are going on in a mom's mind that many times other people, including our spouse, aren't really aware of. And so my old boss, before I got into teaching, I worked for a leadership development firm. And my old boss, her name is actually Molly, um, she used to say at a lot of her public speaking events, of which she did a lot, and she talked to a lot of women's groups, and she would say, make your partner a real partner. And she would talk about this idea that women really needed to get their partner on board to make everything floating in the right direction. And so there was an article on today.com and it said, although men have doubled the amount of housework they've done since 1965, which is amazing and incredible. And let's, you know, give three claps for that. But it said it still falls 22% below the work that women do at home. And 
And so I'll give you a really tangible example of this for me. Um, when we brought Callan home, so it was 2018. So Molly had just turned three. Callan's a little baby. Uh, when we would try to leave the house to go somewhere, uh, those of you who know me in real life, and you can probably guess this about me, it takes me a little while to get ready if I, you know, really want to get ready, which, you know, of course, during a pandemic is few and far between. So what would happen is Chris would be ready. I would be still upstairs getting ready, trying to get everything together, and then I would run downstairs. It'd be time to leave, and the diaper bag wouldn't be ready to go. So, you know, and that was something that was my responsibility. So, you know, everybody's waiting. Chris is kind of managing the kids. Um, Maybe he got the kids dressed or something like that, and here I am packing the bag. So I'm, you know, filling the bottles, filling the formula, getting an extra outfit, making sure we have a burp cloth, diapers, wipes, uh, baby toy, all of these different things, right? And so eventually, Chris and I, you know, we came to a place and I was like, okay, this is how you pack the diaper bag. And the truth is, um, you know, and we walk through all these things, we, you know, how many bottles based on how long we're going to be out. And the truth is, he was incredibly capable and actually quite willing to do it. But it was something that I had put on my plate that I didn't ask for help with. And really, it was a huge help. And it was a huge help helping us get out of the door on time. And so that was like a simple thing for us that, you know, I was able to sort of unpile from my plate. He was more than willing to help. And actually, he does it. He still does it quite a bit now that we have three kids. And so something like that, that you can think of as a mom, that there maybe there's something in your house or in your daily routine, you know, maybe it's packing the kids lunches, maybe um, your partner can do that for you. So um, think about different ways to do that. And the idea here is we need to prioritize the big stuff and let the other stuff go, right? Um, And so a suggestion I have is what if we try to balance the things we want to do with the things we need to do? So for example, my girlfriend, you know, who's a working mom of four, who's feeling a lot of pressure to, uh, you know, make all these home-cooked meals, instead of five great home-cooked meals a week, what if we let go a little bit and we do three great home-cooked meals a week? And we make them extra big and we have some leftovers and we release some of that pressure to feel like we need to, you know, make this great home good meal in order to be a good mother. And so um, no child turns 25 uh, and tells the therapist they're jacked up because they got three great home cooked meals instead of five. As my friend Megan said in episode four, as parents, we'll give them lots of reasons to uh, end up in therapy, but probably having three good home cooked meals is not going to be one of them. All right, so that's the first one, unpile your plate. Second one, accept the help. You know, a lot of um, lists like this, they'll say ask for help. And I am, I have been pretty blessed to be in a community where people can see when we're floundering or when we need help or we need an extra boost and they offer help. And because, I don't know, it's probably a couple different reasons, because I'm prideful, because I um, am very self-sufficient, because I like to be self-sufficient, because I like to operate at a high level and I I consider myself to have high capacity and I want other people to see me as high capacity. Sometimes I say no to help when the truth is I should really say yes. And when we brought Kyler home, who is our third, who we adopted in um, November, our, the wheels sort of fell off around here. Um, he has been an awful sleeper, as cute as he is, and there's been some other challenging things that we've had to experience. And so whenever anybody offered me anything, I said yes. In fact, one of my very best girlfriends, she texts me. So it was it was a particularly bad night. Literally woke up in the morning. And this is after it had been mm, two months of bad nights. I mean, just two months of not sleeping and 
Not like a little not sleeping, like baby is awake at 3.30 and he wants a lot of attention until 5 a.m. and at 6 a.m. and at 7 a.m. and then the other kids get up. And so I literally, we were downstairs and I said to Chris, I think I'm about to have a nervous breakdown. Like literally sleep, not being able to sleep, you know, there's a reason it's a form of torture, right? It's just you cannot function. And I don't need 10 hours of sleep, but like I need to sleep most nights of the week in order to do what I need to do. And so the same morning I said that, my friend texted me and she said, what are you guys doing next Tuesday? I had no idea what she was going to say. And I, you know, I'm like, oh, I think Molly's at preschool and this is happening. And she said, great, doesn't sound important. I booked you a hotel room. And I literally started crying. She's like, I can see the stress that you're under. She's like, no amount, she literally texted me this. She said, no amount of makeup can hide (laughs) how sleep deprived you are. And she absolutely insisted. She said, I'm taking all three kids, bring them over, and then I'm going to bring them back. We're going to sleep at your house. I booked you a hotel. I want you and Chris to go and grab dinner and to sleep and to sleep in. And I'm not taking no for an answer. And the fact, actually, the fact that Chris readily agreed to this, I was like, oh my gosh, we are really struggling, aren't we? And so, you know what? We did. We did. Uh, I would never, especially like with my first, I would never have let somebody watch my four-month-old overnight so I could go get dinner and sleep. I would have been way too prideful, way too prideful. But because it was my third and because I knew better and because I knew that I really needed it, I said yes. And the truth is, it was re-energizing. Part of it is just Chris and I got some time together without the kids. We did get to sleep. We slept in. And it was fabulous. And so that's obviously a very big gesture um, from somebody. But there's lots of other ways. You know, I had a girlfriend my first day back to work in January teaching. I'm a professor teaching a communication department. She offered to bring me dinner. She said, I know it's a lot and it's your first night uh, or first day of work. Can I bring you dinner? And I said yes. And she dropped it off and Chris said, why is she bringing you dinner? And I said, she she offered and I said yes. And that was the end of the conversation. And so I had another friend um, <clears throat> who said, you know, I can't make you a meal. I work nights, but here's a $100 gift card to DoorDash. And, you know, this is a, a single mom who works so hard. And I just like was brought to tears thinking about the generosity of people around us. And so I think a lot of times as moms, we are really into holding up this facade that we we can we can I don't want to say do it all um that we can do a lot and we can have a lot of plates like the cat in the hat but sometimes those plates start to fall and I think if we can recognize that and accept the help that people are offering it can set us up to be less stressed and to kind of you know take on the next day some of us are just doing it one day at a time right and if somebody offers to take you know your kid for the afternoon just say yes do it right? Lean into it. It's really, uh, it's really invigorating. And, you know, it's, it's a good lesson in humility as well. The third one is unplug. I'm sure this is no surprise that this ended up on a list like this. But I think it's important to take some time to unplug from the world, um, from your daily life, from your routine. And so for some people, that's going to be going outside, taking a hike. Uh, maybe if you live close to the beach, you can run down to the beach for the afternoon and just sort of, you know, be in uh, the presence of God's creation. Um, unplugging from social media. Social media is fabulous and wonderful. And you guys know, I like to be on social media. 
but I think that it can also be a slippery slope if we are constantly comparing and constantly um, checking our growth and our sort of process in life and career and family against other people. And so uh, I think it can add some undue stress. Um, when I say unplug, I don't just mean from phone or from social media or from your work email, which is so important to do, but like maybe you need to unplug from a toxic family member or from a text chain that you actually don't want to be a part of. Maybe it's as simple as leave the conversation, right? Or you, um, you know, the iPhone has a feature where you can mute a text conversation so that you still get the text messages, but they're not literally interrupting your day and putting you in a terrible mood. And you can choose to look at it when you are feeling like you're up for dealing with that toxic family member. One of the things I've started doing um, since being back to work, I have about two and a half hours a week where I'm in the car by myself and y'all, it is good. I cannot even tell you what it does for my psyche. I like being by myself. So one of the things that I did um, is I um, have started listening to audiobooks, right? And so I actually started listening to audiobooks last summer when I was biking a lot more. And so I'd put on a book. And so I have started listening to a um, fiction book, which is not really my jam. I'm really into like self-help and like how to grow your person and do good things. And um, sometimes I, you know, think that reading fiction books is like a waste of time because, you know, whatever. It's not. It's great. And so I've been listening to one and I only listen to it on my way home from work. So some weeks it's an hour, some weeks it's only about 35 minutes, but I am completely disconnected from the world. I'm in my car, I'm by myself, I'm aimlessly driving, and I'm just listening to this fantastic story that I'm really enjoying. And it's something that I've been wanting to do for a long time. I don't want to read lots of fiction books, but I do want to read some and I want to, you know, soak it up a little bit more, soak up some of that knowledge and that different skill set. And so um, it's so engaging and it's so good. It's been really awesome. Um, the next thing here on this unplug thing is turn off the news. And I know some of you are better at this than others, but um, unless you're a journalist, like don't look at Twitter, don't look at the New York Times, don't look at your Facebook feed. Um, you know, I would argue set boundaries, right? Because obviously I'm very... Um, Obviously, I want you to be an informed citizen. I'm not saying you should spend all your time on Pinterest and not know what's going out in the news. But if you feel like your news consumption is leading to stress, that's when I would challenge you to evaluate, you know, to what end, right? And so there's an article in um, Psychology Today, and it said Americans are suffering from news exposure stress syndrome. And it says, according to a recent study by the American Psychological Association, consuming news causes more than half of Americans to become anxious, experience fatigue, or lose sleep. All right. And so it's not just that you're watching a news program for half an hour and you know you're stressed and then you turn it off and now you feel great. No, when you are consuming too much news, it's actually impacting how you sleep at night. It's impacting your fatigue throughout the day because you become worried and we can get this sense of hopelessness. And so when we think about ways to de-stress, put boundaries. If you really want to, um, you know, uh, if you're a consistent news consumption kind of person, 
put boundaries around what makes sense for you. Maybe it's one hour a day. Maybe for some of us, we do it uh, only after the work day. And so this particular article that I cited was um, about de-stressing at work. And it talked about, you know, work is already stressful. We have lots of responsibilities. And so save it for after work. Don't let that mess up the middle of your day vibe when you're really, you know, checking things off your to-do list. Um, And of course, not all news is stressful. And so there's lots of um, other ways out there. And so I think that's really uh, a very important one to consider when you are trying to de-stress. Okay, so the fourth one is say yes. Some of you might have thought I was about to say say no, but I actually want to turn that on its head. I want you to say yes. You know, and I'm thinking of, you guys know, um, I love country music. It's my it's my jam, totally. And so there's a great country song that says, when is the first time? And I'm a terrible singer, so I will not even attempt to sing it because no, not a chance. But it says, when is the last time you did something for the first time? And I think about that all the time. I think about, you know, when you're in your 20s, you do new things all the time. You meet new people. You um, aren't scared to walk into a party if you don't know anybody. You explore. You adventure. You um, you don't think twice about, like, hopping a train and going down to Baltimore, going up to New York City. Uh, you do a lot of different adventuring and exploring and finding what you're good at and finding what brings you joy. And I feel like we get to a certain point in our lives where if we're not careful, we can fall into a deep snooze, right? So we watch the same shows every night. We do the same things every week. We... Um, you know, we tend to visit the same places or even vacation the same places year after year after year. But guys, did you know that Florida has 825 miles of beaches? There are 44 different beaches in the state of New Jersey, and California has more than 420 public beaches. There are so many you know, these are just a couple of the states that came to mind, but these are there's so many new places you can do, new things you can do. Um, one year for Father's Day, um, I got a babysitter for the whole day, and Chris and I went kayaking. We live near um, the Schuylkill River Trail and the Schuylkill River, and there's a place right by us where you can get a kayak, and you, you know, you kayak up, which is a lot of work, but then you float all the way down for a couple of miles, and it's so fun, and people, you know, just kind of relax. You don't even have to paddle on the second half and it is so fun and we had never done it we had talked about doing it forever and I you know my uh on episode 12 with Julie Falcone she said like she talked about people being doers and like I want to be a doer and I find that really valuable um skill set and I like it in other people you know they say they're going to do something and they actually do it they don't just talk about it for three or four years yeah we're going to go do this thing or we're going to look into this thing and so I just booked the kayak and I said, hey, you know, it's Father's Day and I know we've been talking about it. Let's go do it. And we took a couple hours and it was so fun and it was so reinvigorating. And so doing new things is not just about, you know, doing something new. But this is an article from Inc., which is um, a publication that I really like. And it says, on a physiological level, learning new things is good for your brain. According to CCSU Business and Development, practicing a new skill increases the density of your myelin or the white matter in your brain that helps improve in performance on a number of tasks. Additionally, learning new skills stimulates neurons in the brain, which forms more neural pathways and allows electrical impulses to travel faster across them. 
The combination of these two things helps you learn better. It can even help uh, stave off dementia, all right? And so I think one of the best ways to de-stress is to not only do something new, but to put it in your calendar. Next Saturday, we are going to go rock climbing or we are going to go kayaking. If you're not an outdoor person, maybe there's a, um, you know, a, a drivable city that you could go to and go out to lunch for the afternoon. Or maybe, you know, you want to um, pop into a new bookshop in town that you've driven by 150 million times and you keep saying, ah, oh, I really want to go in there. Go, go in there, go look at the books, go support a local business. Maybe it's a new skill like, um, you know, knitting or crocheting or um, something digital. Uh, You know, I have downloaded the Canva app in the last year to do some of the social media promotion and some of the quotes that I like to do on my Instagram. And I have so enjoyed it. And it reminds me of some of the work I used to do before I was a teacher when I worked in marketing communications. And it's really fun. And I really enjoyed it. And so I want you to say yes to something new. The fifth one here is kind of a quick list I want to roll through. But these are I titled this physical de-stressors that cost less than $50 and take less than an hour. Number one, take a warm bath. Number two, do meditation. There's all kinds of apps. There's videos on YouTube that you could do to lead you in a five-minute meditation, 10-minute meditation, 20 minutes. Do yoga. Again, lots of resources out there. Yoga is so good for calming, bringing the body back to neutral, if you will. Um, I would argue prayer time is a great way to de-stress, absolutely. Um, Kind of center you for the day, get your mind right, and um, you know, as my mother-in-law says, offer it up. If it's something you can't control, just offer it up. Give it to Jesus and move on. Uh, For me, I already said this, alone time. I just, you know, life is crazy, and I love the crazy. I embrace the crazy, but when I can get half hour or 45 minutes to myself, it is, oh, it's just good. Get a pedicure. I feel like this goes without saying hello. Um, Change your environment. So there's an article from Virtual Health that talked about just literally change your environment for the day. So if you work from home, why don't you venture into a local coffee shop for the day? Just, you know, people watch. Do um, work in a different environment. If you typically are at your desk, maybe in your bedroom, why don't you work at the coffee table or, um, you know, in the living room for the day? Um, you know, new light, new movement, new um, new things to look at and see. And so virtual health said literally changing your environment, breaking up a little bit of the routine can help you de-stress, right? Experience new things. Um, the weather is warming up. Maybe you could work outside. Do you have like a, you know, just like a chair you can put in your yard and work outside 30 minutes at a time, right? It can make a world of difference. Obviously, we know movement is great for de-stressing. Go for a walk, go for a run, get your bike out, do those sorts of things. Immerse yourself in a creative outlet. I was talking to my sister about this podcast and she is a big painter and she's painting rooms in her house and repainting. And like for her, it's almost like therapeutic. She just enjoys doing it. Maybe for you, it's photography or knitting. Um, Sudoku, 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 however you say that. Um, Gardening. I really get into gardening. You know, the semester calendar, we're pretty much wrapped up by the beginning of May. And I start, you know, looking at flowers. I did a little vegetable garden situation last year. And for me, it's really a great de-stressor. Instead of using my mind, which I'm doing all the time as a researcher and a teacher and that sort of thing, 
I can like, you know, work with my hands and do some things and be outside in the sun. And I just love it. I just love it. Um, call a friend, be with a friend, get your mind off your, you know, every day, let them make you laugh. Um, you know, watch a comedy is actually a really good one. And it talks about um, how when we laugh, it, it releases our good endorphins. And so that can help us de-stress. All right. And the last one, number six, do something for someone that's not your kid. All right. Listen, we spend all day doing things for our child. The other night at dinner, my husband, Chris, said, OK, nobody asks mom for something for five minutes. <laughs> because I hadn't even had a chance to sit down yet. I need milk. I need a fork. I need a napkin. I need, God knows what. There's a lot of things they need in air quotes. And so recently I have a friend who's going through really an awful, 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 terrible situation. And we were chatting on the phone and she wanted to help me with something. And I said, how could you possibly like, no, you can't help me with something. You're way too stressed out. Um, I don't want to put anything else on your plate. And she said, listen, she said, I can't change my situation. She said, but what helps me feel valuable and purposeful and worthy is by helping other people. She said, I can't control what's happening in my situation right now, but I can control um, you know, helping others do something for them. And she said, I can't find some of those things being valuable and worthy in the midst of my terrible thing. But when I look to others, I can begin to heal in other ways. And I was just really blown away by that. And I was, you know, once again, reminded of the power of helping other people. And I think we live in a culture that, you know, um, doesn't prioritize that so we you know we say be a good neighbor but you know when you get online it's all self-love work hard stay up late blah 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 and I you know determination individualism and I I agree with all those things it's not like we shouldn't take care of ourselves or we shouldn't really work hard to chase our dreams but I think having a servant mentality having outside eyes is so underrated and um Truthfully, there's research that would back that up. And so this is a snippet from an article and it says, one team of sociologists tracked 2,000 people over a five-year period and found that Americans who described themselves as, air quotes, very happy, volunteered at least 5.8 hours every single month. This heightened sense of well-being might be the byproduct of being more physically active as a result of volunteering or because it makes us more socially active. Researchers also think that giving back might give individuals a mental boost by, pre by providing them with a neurochemical sense of reward. The truth is, when you help people, you you feel better, right? You're you're pouring into somebody else. You're pouring into another family or another um, neighbor or another family member. And I really want to challenge you to do this, you know, outside of your own kids, because that's what we do, y'all. That's what we do all day long. But who else um, could you team up with? Is there an organization that you're passionate about? And so I really think one of the best ways to distress is to help other people. You got to help your kids too. I'm not letting you off the hook with that one. But <laughs> to help somebody else who doesn't live in your home. So those are the six for today. Unpile your plate accept the help, unplug when and where you can, say yes to something new, 
think about physical de-stressors like a warm bath or a pedicure or going outside and bird watching um, that are less than 50 bucks and less than an hour. And lastly, do something for someone else. So I hope one or more of these encouraged you guys today. I hope that you are leaving feeling um, a little bit inspired or a little bit, uh, you know, like you don't have to take it on all by yourself. And the truth is you really don't, right? The kids are going to be fine. I promise. All right. That's it for today. Thanks so much for being here. Thanks for spending time with me. I hope you guys have a great day. Thanks for listening in today. If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to rate and review us wherever you're listening to this podcast. Be sure to share with us on Instagram what you liked most about the episode by tagging me at Susanna.McMonagle. And lastly, if you want more information about the 5 to 8 shift, you can check out our website, the5to8shift.com. We'll see you guys next time.